0: I'm Melissa Bonzak, and welcome to episode 83 of Books Cubed, the show where I chat with authors you should be reading. It is Thursday, December 17th, 2020, and I'm happy to be joined today by Terry Kalica, my sometimes co-host, and we're chatting with Vaughn Buckman about his book, The Trailer Park Piano. It's a really sweet, haunting story about an old man hoping to leave something of value to a special young girl who has nothing. And um, I'm really happy to be back after six long weeks without the internet. I moved and long tragic story, but I finally have the internet again. And I'm really happy to be bringing bringing you this show, I can speak, uh, that we recorded, I think, at the end of October or one of the first few days of November. So let's get right to it. And I will see you after. I want to welcome everybody today. And I have got my sometimes co-host, Terry Colico with me. And we are both chatting with uh, Marcus von Buckman, who has written a really good book called The Trailer Park Piano. And I want to welcome you today. Thank you. It's nice to talk to you. And, uh, your book, can you tell people a little bit about what it's, what it is?
1: Well, I, it was kind of my freshman effort. So, um, I, I had written two novels previously, but I didn't bring them to fruition, you know? So, but this one, I was, um, I was bound to determined. It's a coming of age story. And, um, uh, it's about the scalp. I think savant is kind of a strong word, but, uh, she's extremely talented just um at the piano and um it's about poor poor white people uh in a trailer park and she lives with her family uh they're good catholics so there's about 12 of them and uh they just happen to live right across the street from a retired army officer who had been in korea and vietnam and he's cantankerous curmudgeon and um but, but it's a story about how they become friends, you know, this young girl, and as she becomes a teenager and this this old man who has nothing but money really, you know.
0: So how, how did this come about?
1: I think it's like, uh, it has to be the same with most uh, anyone that writes it. You have a story that you want to tell and it's just burning, you know, and, and, and so if you do that, if you tell the story and you do it well, as, as as well as you can, certainly, um, then that's all you can really ask of yourself. Yeah, I, I can't speak to commercial success because it would reverberate back at me like, like an echo chamber, you know, having not had any, but uh, uh, I think if you tell your story, and you do it well and people like it, and people can escape, then, you know, I think you probably did pretty good.
0: Yeah, and, and characters that people see as real.
1: Yeah. Yes, yeah, identifiable.
0: So, and anything identifiable. autobiographical? Autobiographical, I can speak. Uh anything in there?
1: Painfully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I read this thing yeah. that said that um uh 95% of someone's first novel is semi-autobiographical. So um uh yeah. It was a it was a a trailer park. The setting was where I grew up, you know, a trailer park down maybe a couple of miles down the road and these people were just poor. We were kind of like lower middle middle income, you know. And um so I mean we were rich compared to these people, you know. They they just lived day by day, you know. And they did and they did it well, you know. They were happy.
0: Now for me, when I write male characters, I spend a lot of time running to my husband and saying if I said this to you, what would you say in return? <laughs> Did you find yourself having any any um, issues or stopping and pausing as you were writing this this girl?
1: Uh, there's actually quite a few female characters in there, and and yes, of course. Uh, um, there was a, there was a, I, I get a lot of help from my friends, you know, so I kind of lend it out to them. Some of them are better at it than others getting back to me (laughs) but uh uh so i go to the female i said you know does this sound like a female i mean is this something that a woman would think about or a young girl you know and uh i usually get hacked pretty hard but some i find some kind of middle road that i can i could put in there and, and it was more comfortable than i thought it was going to be yeah and i had to do that there was there was a most of the stories set with her, this main character, as a um, teenager, 16, 17, 18. But there were times in the book where it kind of, you know, backstory and then kind of front story. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And um, so I had I had to do it, not only from the female's point of view, but I had to do it, you know, as she, you know, grew up, you know. Teenagers. And uh, I found my, I, I did. <clears throat> a lot of the retrospect happens in editing when you're going back, you know, and you're like, wow, that sounds like a dude talking, you know, I need to get off that.
0: Yeah, do you, do you I'm sorry, go ahead, Terry. Oh,
2: you know, when I was reading the story and, and I, sh- I really was relating a lot to the the old vet, you know, I mean, uh, I I think he saved the day. And um, so, I, you know, I think that was um, I should let people know uh, Marcus is my cousin. so <laughs> um, as far as, as your background, um, you you were in the service and everything and I, I thought you really brought that into the story. And it seemed like it was it was definitely you know her story, but I think it was your story too and, and, and I, I really related to um, that relationship between the two of them. I think they sort of saved each other. What do you think? Um,
1: Yeah. Um, If I were to say that it was that character was based on one particular individual, I I would probably be stretching that. It was probably like an amalgamation of like me, my father, and this one gentleman that I knew who was of my father's generation, you know? he was uh, hard to please, you know. And uh, uh, these, I, I felt like uh, she gave him a heart and he gave her a reason, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, yeah which was a really
0: sweet story. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: He was dying, you know, he was on his way out and, and she was on her way up.
2: I know you and I had talked once about the ending of the story and yeah. without really giving that away. I saw it one way, and you you were, you, you can't always get any, the the real truth out of him, Mel, but he would not tell me if that was how he meant it. <laughs> and I don't think that, I think I took it one way, and so I think the the ending really can be taken several ways.
1: It goes back to one of Mel's earlier questions that was kind of interesting, is, you, you know, you can't please everybody, because... Um... Um, I had numerous people that read it come back to me and say, whoa, you know, I was waiting for the slaughterhouse at the end, you know, and uh, 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 if I had it, you know, uh, we all have that if I had it to do over, I might have done it differently. <laughs> maybe if I do a rewrite, I was thinking about that the other day, I was wondering if, uh, if I rewrite, if I could actually change things, I guess it's mine, I can do whatever I want to do. I don't know, I don't maybe know. you
2: can do a second book, huh? You know, go on from her...
0: Yeah, are you uh, are you looking? Is this uh, something that you could do a sequel to?
1: Um, uh, I think I've done all I want to do with those characters. Um, I, uh, you know, I kind of laid it out there that she was so melancholy that that she was, you know, semi suicidal at times, you know what I mean? So um, I kind of left it to the reader to decide whether where that went at the end. And uh, she was happy, but her her definition of happy would be, you know, different from most people, I guess. Uh, I like that character. It's really interesting because when you get when you're writing a book, you have you fall in love with these characters and, 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 and they they exist only within the binders and, and sooner or later you you're done and you put it away and that's where they live, you know, and you miss them, you know. <laughs> At least I do. You know? and I have to say I abs- I absolutely love your hair is oh, that, is that a beautiful shade in. of purple yeah yeah it's, um
0: it kind of blends in with my uh if you're watching on video it almost yeah. well it's not quite the same color as the character there's a cartoon that was drawn of me uh looks nothing well it
1: sort of looks like me um yeah there's a cartoon behind you uh, behind your right shoulder that uh yeah it's it's fitting I like
0: yeah, it yeah and, and the the photo that she did it from my hair actually looked. Like that, it had um, not gray, but it had stripes of like blonde, which did look kind of gray in the light. And that's that was my favorite, um, you know, uh, time that it was uh, colored. And I could never get it done again. And I keep showing hairstylists, okay, this is the photo. This was my favorite one, and nobody can get it quite that same, that same yeah, look again.
1: Same you. You live in the land of uh, beauticians. You think there there would be somebody? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So you
1: got the per- you got the perfect runner's haircut though, because you can just go go out there and do it. You know, you don't have to tie it back or whatever. So yeah, marathon.
0: Yeah, yeah which is nice. Which is nice. So you've got this book. I'm not going to say. Well, I'm say intense, intense scenes throughout the book. So was there anything that that was just a little too tense without giving too much of the story away that where you had to stop writing or or move away from it?
1: Her, her depression kind of got to me a little bit, you know, um, I'm not as depressive as she is, but sometimes I can get quiet and not talk to people for a couple of days, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> I'm not seeking sympathy or empathy, but uh, it was, it was prophetic, um, in in the way that he ended that the older man ended, because my, you know, uh, I had something similar happen to me, someone close, some two or three years later, you know, so uh, so that's, so I got to wear that, you know, I didn't get to, I, I didn't get to profess it in front, but I get to wear it now.
2: One of the things that I found um, just in, in listening, you know, to how you talk, um, um, Marcus's writing is, is, can be really poetic sometimes, you know, um, I get to wear it, I mean, you know, uh, symbolic, um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I, that's one of the things that I really like about your writing.
1: You yeah, know. isn't it strange though? Isn't it strange because um, you know, no matter no matter what we do, we have our critics. Um, and uh, somebody somebody called it sing song. You know, <laughs> that I, I spent some time in the Philippines, and that's what they call that uh, the local native language. Because um, it just sound, when they talk, it just sounds like they're you know singing a song, you know. And uh, and he had been in the military and he knew me, so he he that was a that was a dig, that wasn't a compliment, you know, or whatever. So, um, but I also had someone who said that they, uh, you know, that they liked the fluidity, you know, and the passive voice is so important, and you really have to be careful as to. You, know, you want the st- characters to tell the story, obviously, but uh, your passive voice better be there too, or you can forget it because people get bored and set yeah. it down and watch Oprah, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it wasn't overly flowery either. Um, paints a nice picture. But it yeah, I'm not a big,
1: uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the florid prose. you know, I don't care about those Ivy growing through the cyclone fence, you know, and how, you know, intolating in the summer sun or whatever um but yeah i think you got to give the reader just enough so that their mind can fill the room you know here's the room here's the there's a big desk you know big windows which is kind of reflecting this person's ego you know and uh and then beyond that they can start looking at the curtains in their crimson red or whatever you know and uh, I think if you put too much in there, man, and, and I have been digged by, on that particular book, there was this guy named Susie Haverstick that I went to high school, which was a very smart girl, And uh, she read it and she was brutal, man. I mean, she hacked me at every opportunity, which is good. You know, you don't, you don't want to give it to your favorite cousin and have her tell you it was absolutely wonderful. You, you know, you better be, you better put it out to somebody who's going to put a little pain on you. Oh
0: yeah, yeah most definitely. Most definitely. There's the there's the uh, the rule really that um, you don't share your writing with family and friends because they're not going to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you get too close to it. You know, you spend you you spend so much time. You spend so much time with uh, with the book, and you start wondering, God. I mean, especially if you're doing it day after day and you don't give yourself a break, and you start you read it, you read, you go, man, this sounds terrible. (laughs) You know, so. Um, you step away, come back to it, read it again. If it still sounds terrible, you better get a second opinion. Uh, the chapters are really short, which I like to do because I, I think people don't have a lot of time these days. You know, so they like to do, you know, seven, ten pages. Boom, that's the night they go to bed. Whatever, unless they can't put it down, which that's a compliment. But the first three or four chapters on that book, I I, I felt like I like the word smithing, and I felt like that I was a little cute by half and. uh uh, that was confirmed when my cousin, Miss Terry, told me that uh, if it hadn't been me, she might have not have gotten to the fifth chapter where it really starts. So she persevered, and I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, that's uh, yeah. she's good about that, because I've, I've sent her stuff, and, and she's good about saying,
1: this sucks. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Why are you thinking this? <laughs> Stop yeah. it. And that's
0: exactly yeah. what you want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, writing can't be for the faint of heart.
1: <laughs> although she's not always right she can't always be right
2: I no <laughs> not at all
0: <laughs> now I've been after her to work on her um cozy series for Clancy because what I've read so far was really good so hopefully um she can find some time and get that finished so do you have do you have any ideas Marcus for the next book that you're going to be doing or have you started one yet
1: uh, actually um a couple chapters from being done and uh, i'm really excited about it it's uh, it's a big departure from the genre that that i've previously written in. it's it's an argument between miss terry and i as to what genre it is i'm saying i, I love my characters it's a literary horror thriller and uh and she's smacking me down, telling me I need to get rid of the horror. And if I did that, there'd be so many people that would just absolutely crucify me. So. No, I'm not. Are yeah. <laughs> oh, you saying no. you're not
2: now? No, no, I think it's amazing. No, we talked about that. Um, I think we're, I'm not a, a, a thriller mystery reader. You know, I'm more of a cozy mystery reader and writer and um, so the thriller genre, which I also think you would have to put it in a, a thriller horror genre, um, you know, that that throws me a little bit. But the horror, I I think it definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Since our conversation, I've tried to think about how that book would go without without the ghost and without the supernatural, and I um, I think that they bring too much of the information and and the main character who's a priest father schaefer if he didn't have these ghosts i don't know how i would be that's how he gets a lot of his information that's how he he lives you know vicariously through these through these um apparitions that he walks he he sees them all day long you know the proverbial and i'm not gonna say it about seeing the dead people but you know i like to think i got my twist on that so um, but I'm excited about this one uh, that the the trailer park piano I wrote I finished it in 2011 it was published in December of 2011 and uh, I, it's almost like I'm so far removed from that that um, it's like somebody else wrote it or something but you know I'm going to sit down I'm going to have to sit down and reread it. I probably read that thing a million times I can tell you what happened on every page at one time I'm sure you guys can relate to that now I can't even hardly re- I can't remember what happened <laughs> You know it's bigger. been long
0: enough too that you've changed enough I mean we all change as, as people and uh, it makes sense that we would change as writers and want to write something different and and maybe we've discovered something different that we like to read and now we want to write in that genre
1: mm-hmm. How do you think that is ex- uh, how do you think that's um, taken by your your readers who read uh, a coming of age story and then all of a sudden the, your next book they they buy it and they crack it open and it's something uh, brutal happening you know
0: yeah, you know. Yeah, you got to be careful if you if you write in series. Uh, your readers come to expect a certain thing from you. So what most writers do is, if they depart, very, they make a hard turn from what they were writing. They will use a pen name, so that people don't. But but people that write standalone books, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how how that's going to be affected. Uh, it's almost like starting from scratch. Every time you have a new book out, you got to find that audience for it. So, and, yeah, and, yeah I, don't, I, I don't think that I don't think that. Um, and, and it was one book you said in 2011. So I don't think that anybody that read that one is going to be, you know, searching for the newest book that you've got since it was so many years ago. It's, so it's going to be like starting from scratch. So people will, will read the horror book and go, oh, he wrote something else. Oh, it's totally different.
1: I was thinking about putting a warning, you know, kind of like on the jacket or something, but I, you know, you might be right. It might be, you know, the time so much time has passed that it, it, it might not be worthy of that effort. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, the warning might get people excited about buying it. Yeah. You know, you think That's about all the kids that, Yeah. They want to buy the the albums that say, um, profanity, you know, parents only. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Oh, I remember my dad, um, uh, <laughs> whenever there'd be a um, a warning when a movie was going to start, it would say, you know, warning. And my dad would say, it's just not worth it unless there's plenty of words saying after following that warning, he's not going to bother watching it.
1: I, f- I found that <laughs> one of the most difficult things to do was to write the um, to try and write a hook on the back cover. You know, I don't know about you guys, but
2: oh, I think that's yeah. Don't you know? I
0: mean, yeah. really, that's the hardest thing. Yeah. It is hard, you know, you have to hook them with that first opening sentence. You know, you, you think about the guy the, uh, in a world filled with, you know, that trailer guy, that, that voice Don, whatever yeah. his name was. Uh, you need something like that. You need, And the thing you can do, too, is find books that are similar and then go and read what they've got for their descriptions and how they handled it. And you got to have that first opening line um, that, that, that throws out the possible problem and then uh, a few lines about what could happen as they try to solve that problem. And then of course you don't give the ending away or anything, um, but you leave that you leave that open-ended. But yeah, that going and looking at what other, what covers, you know, you, um, I don't know if thriller horror is a genre, but you probably, if you Google on, Amp, if you Google top 100 thriller books or top 100 horror, or you could try thriller horror, and then go and then follow that Google link. It'll take you to Amazon. And then you'll look at the top 20 books and look at their covers and then look at their descriptions. And that's what you'll want to emulate. You want to look exactly like that. And you know you got to be careful. You don't fall into the trap that I want my book to look different because I want it to stand out. People will look over it and go, nope, it doesn't have the silhouette of the character walking toward a city. So it's not going to be a thriller. You know yeah. that kind of thing. <laughs> You know, so you got to, if, yeah, if you write a thriller, it's got to be the silhouette of a person walking toward the city. If you write a cozy, it's got to be a character, uh, a woman standing alone, you know, with a dog or a pie or something like that. Uh, and then people are going to know exactly what it's about. And that's, a, that's what they go toward. And they'll go, oh, yeah, I got to have this book because of the cover. And a lot, a lot of readers say they buy based on covers alone.
1: Yeah. And you're competing with so many books, you know, I, your covers imperative. I, mm-hmm. I've actually done both of my covers. Um, I thought that that cover for the Trail park Piano was beautiful. And I credit my wife. She was very good.
0: It's a nice mm-hmm. cover. It's a nice cover. It would have um,
1: been, been nice on an end cap, you know, if my publisher would have gotten off their rear and done that, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think they left it to me.
0: You have the rights back to your book now.
1: Uh, interesting question um I was supposed to get them right back in seven years and it's been seven years but they went out of business it, it was a weak publisher but I you know that's it better published than not that's my opinion you know no matter what if if it comes to whether you're you know not going to be published then get published you know yeah so um uh I don't know <laughs> Uh, I haven't been getting any royalties or anything like that, and um, I, you know I know the books. It, 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 they had priced it prohibitively. I mean, it, it, people aren't going to pay twenty-eight bucks for a paperback. They're going to pay ten or fifteen, you know. And so I think that was part of uh, a lack of commercial interest, you know, and and that was their fault.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's um, that's one of the discussions now that um, Marcus and I keep having whether it's better to you know self-publish versus traditionally publish, and um, I know it's it's always an interesting question. Um, I think you have to take into consideration um, you know if you're going to be able to get an agent, and I know that you're working on that marcus and and uh, the time that would be spent then to get them to to find a a publishing company i mean mel you know more about this but there aren't that many publishing companies now you know
0: yeah penguin penguin random is looking at buying simon and schuster last i heard
2: mm-hmm. so
0: um if they are able to if they i don't i haven't checked the news really lately that i are trying to bad. avoid it right now but uh if they are able to, then that leaves, what, maybe two publishing houses?
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's it. yeah, I, I don't know, Marcus, I guess it's, it depends how you look upon it, but um, it's, it's like everything else, you know, the big companies are, are sweeping in and getting, buying the other companies, and then you get down to, you got three main, you know, companies, and
0: Well, uh, you know what you could do, too, is everything is separate. I used to be a literary agent, and you, you have, um. Your paperback is separate, your hardcover is separate, your ebook is separate, your foreign rights are all separate. Your movie rights are separate, your TV rights are separate. So you don't sign it. I've I've known people that have signed a a blanket contract for everything and been stuck for years with a company that won't do audio books or won't check about selling TV rights. You don't want to get stuck with that kind of thing. And uh, the indie world, a lot of people now are keeping their ebook rights but selling the paperback and the hardback rights and then making money and selling foreign print rights. So, uh, you can make a lot of money with eBooks if you understand how to market. And, and now as a writer nowadays, we have to know. And even back, you know, when I was an agent in the nineties, uh, you still had to do your own marketing back then. They didn't do it for really? you unless you were Stephen King. They've never done marketing for, for just the average writer ever. Yeah. So, um, you, you that's know, a hard
1: it's, road to hoe when you got a, when you got 40 hours somewhere else that you got to do to pay the bills and your yeah. baby yeah. needs shoes, you know?
0: Yeah. Sometimes you get lucky and the spouse, uh, can do all of your marketing for you while you are doing the writing. And then a lot of people are turning to, uh, PAs, personal assistants, a uh, virtual assistants, I'm sorry, VAs and, uh, getting them to do your social media and things like that. Excuse me.
1: Um, Do you know any good ones? You know, any good virtual assistants? Or how would you even start?
0: Oh, I don't know. I I know people that I'm co-writing a a series with a friend and we've got somebody in mind that we're going to look to for our virtual assistant when the time comes. But uh, and it's somebody that he knows. um, But I think that, you know, that there's money to be had if you were if you are organized and you like uh, paperwork. You like uh, uh, you're on top of things. There's money to be had. Being a virtual assistant. Uh, if I wasn't a writer, I think that's what I'd be really looking into. Uh, would be virtual assisting. Uh, it's because I did a lot of that stuff already.
1: Um, you're but, co-writing with someone. That sounds like a task. Sorry, uh, with you the, know, I artistic absolutely love arguments. I,
0: <laughs> We we used to be screenwriters and uh, we wrote together really well and. Um, now we're working on a, a horror series uh, that will be starting in December, I think. Uh, and then I write, a, I co-author an, a nonfiction series also um, with, a, with a friend, with a different friend. And uh, that's just been fantastic because when I went with tour with the idea, uh, it's far, uh, if you listen to the show, uh, people listening, uh, regularly you uh, catch our uh, writing prompt episodes. We do them about once a month. And uh, my co author Lisa Mahoney, I came to her after spending all day at a coffee shop trying to come up with an idea of something (laughs) that would be, you know, nonfiction and it'd be fun, you know. And we like to do um, writing prompts anyway. And uh, we, uh, you know, you roll dice for our writing prompts that we're doing. And we were doing them anyway just to kind of get ourselves out of our funk that we were in and um, went to her with that idea and, and she made some changes to my idea and, and they they worked great. So I think when you're writing with someone, you have to start from, from the beginning, you have to really set up the ground rules of how it's gonna work, who's gonna do what. Um, uh, you do that in the beginning and, and, you know, when you have, when you are before arguing over points, you know, how many times will you argue over something and how will it be, be resolved, you know, those, those kind of things. Um,
1: not quite I, I sure I'd imagine. be able to I'm not quite sure I'd be able to uh, le- lend the outcome of something I had written to someone else, you know what I mean That would be a difficult task.
0: Yeah, you know um, yeah, I, I think if someone came in and, and, and if someone tried to join me in the series I'm already writing, I, I wouldn't, you know uh, <laughs> yeah, because th- those characters are mine. They've lived in my head for years before I started writing them down.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I could do it more than one at a time. I, I, you know, my hats off to those of you that can. That's that's got to be an undertaking.
0: Well, you know, if if you get if you get well, like like writer's block, a lot of people uh, talk about writer's block. I personally don't really think it is a thing, um, because you can move never, on to something never had different. It. I'm sorry.
1: Never had it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's uh, if you if you are having problems, it's because you don't know your story. So you, you have to, to, to start thinking about your story. And, and how do you handle, do you, have, do you have points? Do you outline before you sit down?
1: Well, the only thing that I do before I start is I, I, is I put a skeleton together of the chapters. And I, those can move around, I can do whatever I want with them, but, but I, I try to um, get 20, 25 chapters and at least that launches the story. And, and you can, uh, you know, you can fill, backfill, backstory whatever from there. But I don't know how people would do it without me. You just start writing without some direction. Uh, I, don't I, don't I don't
0: understand. I don't understand that either. No, I do the same thing. I sit down. I have 26 chapters. I put three lines for each chapter of what it's going to be about. And then I can start writing. And then as you, you probably have the same thing where all of a sudden you come up with something new and you have to sit down and you adjust your outline. And the story has changed.
1: Oh, most definitely. And, um, I was talking to miss Terry, I don't know, it was called, I guess it was last week. And, uh, she, uh, she said that some people can sit down and write and, just, and they just vomit this, you know, in chapter 20 page chapter. And, and, and that's what I tend to do actually, when I sit down, is it, is it just uh, I can be fairly prolific. My problem is, is that life gets in the way, you know, and then uh, I might get a good chapter in and then it's two weeks before I can sit down and do it again, you know, or look <laughs> at it and um, see what, what it is that I thought was so cool at the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I listen to people who talk about, I try to write every day at the same time. I've been kind of, it's been crazy because we're moving. Uh, so it's been, every the last month has just been just compopulated and, and it will continue to be through most of, of November which happens every year November gets screwy for me uh, but these people that have you know 20 children and three jobs and they write five or six books a year because they get up at four in the morning I just can't do that
2: yeah, yeah. it's got to be easier
1: with your, it's got to be easier with grown children though I mean with with young children I can't imagine how anybody does they'd have to do it after they went to bed or before they got up you know
0: oh yeah uh, that just this is crazy. But yeah, I think that you know, sitting down, do you write it at the same time? You don't write at the same time every day? You said you just write when you can?
1: No, it's usually in the evening. And you know, I live by myself. So it's not easy. but you know, once once the day's done, and like, right now, I mean, where I live, I live in the Northwoods, you know, up near Canada, and uh, it gets dark about 430. Know, so four o'clock. So that that lends for a long evening, if that's what you want to do, you know,
0: Nothing else to do, yeah.
1: Get a fire going, and and I used to be a into the TV head, you know. And uh, ever since I moved up here, there's just too much to do. You know, there's too much life, and which I like, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't. I mean, I have a DVR, so if I there's something that I want to watch, I DVR it, and then every couple of months we go through the DVR and delete everything that we didn't watch, because <laughs> yeah. it's like tons of stuff. But yeah, we, I don't remember the last time we sat down to watch TV in the evening when something was live, or, or you know, the first time it was being shown.
1: Well, I think part of the problem with that is that if you do, I don't know when the last time you sat down to watch something, but some of these doggone shows that they were just the uh, the stupidest thing you could ever imagine. You know, they they have to be starving for a good story, which which makes me wonder why they just haven't. <laughs> Why well, they haven't found mine? You know.
0: <laughs> so if people want to find your book at the Trailer Park Piano and make sure I say it right, how can they find it?
1: Um, last time I was on Amazon, it was on there, uh, but it's it's priced still by that publisher, uh, so.
0: Well the ebook is $1.99 at the moment. Yeah, so.
1: there is the Kindle, yeah, the Kindle thing, which is which is what I would suggest. You know, I mean it's an easy read. Mm-hmm. It was I think it was two hundred and forty-eight pages, which um I don't think anybody wants somebody dumping a tree on their lap, you know. So uh you know, war the days of war and peace are kind of over, you know, the thousand page books or whatever.
0: Thanks guys for coming on today.
1: I enjoyed it. Bye
0: bye. If you drop down to the show notes, you will find a link to Vaughn's book and to his Facebook group where he talks about his next book, which sounds really exciting. I love horror. So I hope he keeps all the ghosts in there. Somebody told him to take them out. I can't remember who. Um, But uh, don't do it. Uh, They sound great. And uh, join his Facebook group and you'll find out more about that book. Also, if you would like to comment or give me a book recommendation, You will find a link in the show notes that says comment here and it takes you over to the YouTube page and you know what to do once you get there. I'm also on Instagram. It's been a while since I've done this. Uh, I am back again next week. Hopefully everything goes smoothly uh, as I go week to week in my new place. And we're doing a writing prompt show and three excellent stories for you. We wrote in the fantasy genre I really had a good time with this one and I know you will love the story. So I'll see you then next week. And until then, go read a good book.